Father, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, God is good. Amen. Your phone. There we are. Trying to shut me up already. I haven't even gotten started yet. Uh, if we have any military active or have served, if you wouldn't mind just standing, that we can recognize in, in any capacity, guard, reserve. Uh, I know we've got Mr. Brent back here. Let's come on. Give him a hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. We appreciate and thank you for your service. Amen. Uh, my father was military, and although uh, we didn't have to make quite as many of the sacrifices as uh, I know most military have had to make, um, I know the sacrifices that are made, the time that's given, the service that's given, and so uh, obviously on this weekend being Memorial Day weekend, we want to take time to honor that and honor you. We appreciate all that you do for this country. Amen. We're so thankful. So thankful. Go to John chapter 16, if you would. John chapter 16. And I do want to preface today's message just letting you know I do not plan on going very long. Uh, we have been ministering in a series. Obviously, last week we had some guest ministers in. How many of you enjoyed having Pastor Kenneth and Lynette here? Amen. What a powerful word, powerful ministry. And I'm glad they were able to bless us uh, last weekend. But I do want to continue um, in our series. And, and I feel like I've got at least one more message after this weekend left to minister. But we've been looking at the challenges in life, the trials, the tests in life. Remember, we started off several weeks ago with this statement that the teacher and the student have two different perspectives of the same test, right? The, the student sees uh, what's being drawn out, or uh, the, the teacher sees what's being drawn out, and the student typically sees what's being taken away. And in the tests and the trials in life, it's not needing to be drawn out of a test, needing to be pulled out of a test that is necessary. It's, it's the need to remain and endure through the test. And remember, Jesus said this in John chapter 16, starting with verse 32. John chapter 16, starting with verse 32. Uh, he makes this statement, Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, and has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. Now, he's talking to his disciples. He's not just talking to random people here uh, that really don't really know him and don't really care about him, uh, that are just hanging out. These are people that have sacrificed and given up their lives, given up their careers, given up family, given up everything. Remember, he said that. He said, if you won't forsake father and mother and brother and sister, if you won't leave house and home uh, to come follow me, then you're not truly a disciple. And so he's talking to people that have made sacrifices, but he's identifying here that if you're going to follow me, you're going to come with me, that there's going to be a time where you're going to be separated. 
There's a separation coming. And there are some things you'll go through. Verse 33 says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. That me alerting you of the tests and the trials that are coming ought to bring peace to you. But how many of you know many times we hear about a test coming and there's no peace in that? (laughs) There's despair and worry and fear. Peace is usually the last thing we think of in the midst of hearing news that a test is coming. I mean, if you go back to school and and remember uh, those times, I mean, we were at a graduation ceremony yesterday for uh, Lowndes High School. Miss Myrna, our, our graduate here, is a graduate. Welcome to the real world. You thought that was a test. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the real world. But, you know, at at the ceremony, there were several of her classmates that got up and spoke, and they talked about the tests, and they talked about cramming for exams, and they talked about the essays, and they talked about the projects, and all the fun high school stuff, and I love sitting there here uh, as an almost 32-year-old human being, thinking back on uh, how awesome it is to not have to endure those things any longer, and the crazy teachers that test you on stuff that you're never going to use again in life, right? Yeah, see, look, even the teacher, even the teacher knows you don't, you don't need this. You don't need this stuff. All the fun stuff. But listening to those students talk about all their fun little high school moments. And there's tests involved. There's tests involved. And, and I know, I, I know the feeling that comes over your heart when you hear on Thursday that there's a test tomorrow you totally forgot about. She haven't studied for. I didn't do any of that homework that you assigned me. I didn't pass the quizzes, so what makes you think I'm going to pass a test? There's not a whole lot of peace involved there. Peace is usually the last thing on the totem pole. And so Jesus here, he says, I've actually mentioned these things to you so you can have peace. How interesting. How interesting. That the news of tests ought to bring peace. And see, there's peace because being alerted prior to allows for preparation. Allows for preparation. I mean, we, we've, we've used the analogy of sports quite a bit. Because there's practices and practices and testing and preparation. Why? So I can be fully developed for the test. See, Sunday's the game day. Sunday's game day. That's when the test shows up. That's when the real deal comes. And on game day, you ought to have to be prepared for the test. And so he says, there's peace in this. I have told you these things, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Thank God that we're fighting a fight that has already been fixed. Amen. We're fighting a fight that's already been determined. We already know the outcome. And so the the matter at hand isn't needing to be pulled out of the fight. It's needing to endure the fight. The overcoming is in the standing, the testing, the testing. James chapter 1, we saw this. James chapter 1, just to remind you of a few of the verses uh, that we have been looking at throughout this series. 
Verse 2 says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy when you fall into. And again, these are verses we've been looking at. You already know where I'm going. He says to count it joy when you fall into, not when you get out. A lot of us are real good about counting it joy when we get out of the test. But he's saying count it joy when you fall into, when you go into a trial. Why? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And the last time we met, the last time we talked on this subject, this is what we looked at. It's the testing of your faith. You're not even the one really being tested. Man, what an exciting message. I wish I could re-preach that message again. And I hope you haven't forgotten it. I hope you've meditated that it's not even us that's being tested. It's our faith in what? In God that's being tested. When we learn to acknowledge that God is the one fighting the battle for us, and it's just a matter of us standing and believing in him to overcome in our lives, I mean, that changes everything. David was never supposed to defeat Goliath. Abraham was never supposed to have a baby. We look at these these stories in the Bible and we wonder what is so special about them. We read these stories as if they are the ones that overcame. But the Bible clearly tells us that it was their faith in God that caused them to overcome. That caused them to triumph. Guys, the test that comes against you is greater than you. Yes, you weren't designed, you were not designed to defeat that by yourself. Yes, but there's a God that if we can just trust and believe and obey and acknowledge him, that he will fight for us. He will show himself strong in our lives. So it's the testing of our faith. It's the testing of our faith that produces patience. Wow. The testing of our faith produces patience. Doesn't say the testing of our faith produces the answer. Doesn't say the testing of our faith produces blessings. It doesn't say the testing of our faith produces finances. Doesn't say the testing of our faith produces healing. It says the testing of our faith produces patience. Produces patience. And then, you know, if we go on there, he says, let, have, let, let patience have its perfect work. Patience is what's working. Patience is what's developing. Patience is what is producing the answers in our lives. There's a need for endurance in this day and age. Anybody notice that? There's a need for endurance. You know, I find it interesting. I was sitting there yesterday in that graduation. And so many things in our lives are getting quicker. So many things in our lives are moving faster. We expect things so quickly now. Right. But, you know, sitting there in in something that we all have to go through school. It still takes 13 years. We haven't found a way to speed up that process. Right. It still takes kindergarten, first grade, second grade. Yeah. And more. So 13 is the minimum. 13 is the minimum. And sometimes for some of us, we've got to endure some extra testing and developing. And you know what? That's all dependent on how quickly you get it. It's all dependent on how quickly you get it. 
Some of us are in the test in our lives because we just haven't gotten it yet. Some of us are still being tested on the same thing because we still haven't, it hasn't quite clued in yet. We didn't grasp it as quickly as some others. I mean, you hear me talk about math all the time. Uh, my, my ability to comprehend math was not as quick as some others. I remember sitting in some of those classrooms and the teacher would do it on the board. And the other rest of the students are, are, are just getting it, man. They're just repeating it. And I'm still just standing at the board. I'm thinking, how do we get there from here? Show me again. I remember I'd go to my teacher after class. I got to see it again. I did not grasp it as quick. But then there came other classes like grammar and English or history. And they're sitting there staring at the board. And I'm thinking, we've got this. I'm already done with my assignment. I've already moved on to the next thing. Right? Why? Because we grabbed it quicker. We grabbed a hold of it faster. It's all dependent on us. And if you try to shortcut the system, that doesn't always work out very well. I tried to shortcut the system. I would try to find shortcuts. And that, that didn't always. I remember in my math book, at the back, they had the answers for the odd numbers. One, three, five, seven. So, man, I hated it when the teacher would assign evens. Two, four, six, eight. These are the, this is the assignment, and I'm thinking, great, I've got to work it. Why? Because there's no shortcut. There's no shortcut. Guys, there's times in our lives, in areas in our lives, that we're being tested on something because we haven't quite grabbed a hold of the thing that gets us to the next level. Testing is all about getting to the next level. The only reason you're tested... The only reason you're tested is to prove what you know so we can get to the next level. Because here's the thing that I do know about life. The next level always requires you to know something from the previous. I found that out. I found it out that if God wants me to be faithful with a $3,000 a month paycheck, I had to show some faithfulness at the $2,000 a month paycheck. If God wants me to be faithful uh, in, in this level of influence, I had to be faithful with this level of influence. God is only testing you with what you already know. Look, so many times we get to the test and we feel like we don't know it yet. And I'm going to tell you something. If you feel like you don't know it yet, that means that there are some things we just haven't quite grabbed a hold of. I know people that when it comes to finances, they get that way quicker than some other people. I know some people that when it comes to healing, they get that way quicker. I know some people that when it comes to believing God for finances, it's nothing. Don't believe God for, for numbers that would, would blow your mind. But then when it comes to healing, they're having to put themselves away for a while and just stand and believe God for healing. Why? Because you, you can only grow to the level of your knowledge. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 tells us that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We can only grow to the level of our, level of our knowledge. You cannot go beyond 
what you know. We cannot grow beyond what we know. Testing is always about progression. Testing is always about progression. Now, here's what I found out. Here's another thing I found out. The test will always demand everything you have. The test will always demand everything you have. Have you ever heard a a, a sports, an athlete make this statement? I left it all on the field. Left it all on the field. See, in practice, you may not give 100%, 100%, but in the game, if you want to win, you've got to leave it all on the field. You've got to give 110%. The test is designed to draw everything out of you that you know. It's a cumulative of all the knowledge, all the progress, and the process that we've gone through this entire phase at this entire level. Now, at the testing moment, everything's coming out. It's going to determine whether you know, whether you believe, whether you've grown. Because the next level, remember we talked about David a few weeks ago. And we've talked about some heroes in the faith. We've talked about, we, we, we talked about David, we talked about Noah, we've talked about Abraham to this point. They all endured tests. They all went through tests. And notice that David's test with Goliath didn't stop there. If you read on into the next chapter, chapter 18, you find out that now King Saul wants to make him the general of his entire army. There's some testing that wants to get you to the next level. The testing that comes in our life is, as we saw in the first week, not trying to take something away from you. It's to draw something out of you. There's something you have to prove in the test today so we can get to the next level tomorrow. But that test will require everything. That test will require everything. If you remember the the parable of the stewards, Matthew chapter 25, one was given one, one was given two, and one was given five talents. And for the one to get to ten, he had to give all of the five. It says that he traded with them, he sold the five, and was able to gain five more. He didn't have five and then just went out looking for five more. He had to be faithful with the five that he had before he got to ten. And if you remember the master's response, well done, good and faithful servant. What was the faithfulness? The faithfulness was you took the five and did with it wisely, and so you were able to gain five more. Well done, good and faithful Everything that I gave you, I required of you. And see, we're the ones that minimalize what's given to us. We're the ones that look at it and say, well, this was just one. Don't we do that? I've done that plenty of times in my life. Looked at it and said, this is just one. This, this, what can one do? It's not about the amount. It's about what it does in you. The one would have proven to the servant, would have proven to the master, I am faithful. 
Because to all of them, or at least to the first two, he said, you were faithful with little. Now you will be made ruler over much. Ruler is a different level. Now I know that you can rule, you can control ten because you were faithful with five. Man, if that servant with the one would have just been faithful with the one, he could have turned it into two. But see, a lot of us say, well, if I had two, I would do. If I had five, I would do. And we can do this about so much. We can do this about finances. Do this with our job. Well, if I was in charge, if I was boss, if I had that pay raise, if I was making $12 an hour instead of $10 an hour, this is what I would do. I'd show up early if they would pay me. I would do this, I would do that if they would do this, if they would do that. And God's saying, I want to see what you'll do with what you have now, because that is what will tell me if you'll do with something later. And so we've got to understand that this testing is all about progress. The testing in our lives is always to determine, can we go to the next level? But you can't go to the next level until you've given everything at your current level. Going back to school. You don't go from kindergarten to first grade and first grade to second grade and fifth grade to sixth grade and eighth grade to ninth grade and graduate at the twelfth grade if we haven't completed what's necessary at the previous level. And how many of you know there's testing? At every level, there's testing. Are we getting it? Are we understanding it? Are we comprehending it? Because the knowledge that I'm gaining now is going to determine my growth at the next level. Look at this. This is a popular verse, and this is kind of where I want to camp today. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is what? Faithful. You know that God is being tested? God is being tested. Every time you get in a situation, he's being tested. His word is being tested. Will he pull you out? Will he pull you through the situation? And this verse right here tells us, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But With the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I was actually Googling this verse this morning. 
uh, you know, just I, I like to look at what different people say about different verses sometimes and, and different things like that. And there was one link. There was one. I didn't even click on it, but there was a link. When I pulled up this verse, it said nine lies that you learn in church. Nine lies. And apparently one of the lies that and it, it was like some kind of atheist site anyway. Uh, but but it, it said nine lies that you learn in church, uh, that you learn in church, and one of them is that God won't test you beyond what you're able. That people think that God puts things on you to break you. God puts things on you to chokehold you in one sense, to put you in a situation. Look, there is no test that you ever took, that you've ever taken in life, that's beyond what's in you. In any arena. If you had a coach, I have anybody that plays sports in high school, any sports, baseball, football, basketball, any of it. Your coach pushed you. Did anyone have a coach that pushed them? I mean, was making you just do stuff that you're like, I cannot do this. I remember, uh, uh, you know, I played baseball all my life. In, in high school, um, we had this coach, and, uh, uh, you know, we would do our whole practice. And, and I'm not much of a runner to begin with, but we would start off, we have to run two laps around the entire uh, baseball field. So twice all the way around, just to start off. That's just warm-up. And then, you know, we had to do different, you know, different warm-ups here and there. And then at the end of the practice, we always, well, not always, but he would do this one drill where we had to run from home to first base as fast as possible. You could get back in line. Then you do home to second base as fast as possible. Then you had to get back in line and do home to third base as fast as possible. And then the last one was home all the way around. And you had to push as hard. And I remember going from... Uh, on that last one from second to third base, you feel like you're just going to collapse. Like there's no way this is happening right now. And so you're just pushing, 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 pushing. And then they, you know, but you got the whole team just cheering you on. Everyone's just, come on, you can do it. You can get there. Go, 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 go. And you're rounding the corner and you're coming home and you finish and you thought you couldn't do it. But they push you beyond what you think. There's, there have ne- there's never been a time in my life where I completed a test that I thought I could pass. Spiritually, naturally. Because the test is designed to take everything out of you, even what you didn't know was there. Anybody ever felt that way in a test or a trial in life? You're thinking, I, I, I don't have what it takes. I, I, I can't make it through. This, this is too big. I wonder if David had that thought. When he was standing before Goliath, even though he's speaking and he's doing the right things, because even though you don't think you can do it, you still got to do the right thing. But I wonder if David had this thought that what in the world am I doing out here? I was bringing bread and cheese. I don't even fight. I'm a shepherd. There's a reason why I didn't enlist. My three older brothers are the ones who ought to be doing this. I mean, not only am I not just physically capable to take this guy out, 
I'm not even the right guy for the job. He's standing in front of military guys. He's standing in front of an army that if anybody should be able to do it, any one of them should be able to do it. I wonder if Abraham ever had that thought. I mean, we're talking about people in the Bible that are wondering, why did God pick me? Abraham, 85, you know, 75 years old. Him and his wife cannot have children. And on top of that, they're beyond the age to have children. And they, and I remember, you remember Sarah laughed. She was back in the tent laughing. Why? God, you picked the wrong person for this test but you know what god was saying he said no it's in you it's in you and i'm going to push you i'm going to push you because i need everything you have paul paul murdering christians i mean if you think what isis is doing overseas is bad paul was right there that was paul imagine one of those isis leaders being the guy that writes two-thirds of the New Testament that we all live by in a claim to be the words of the Bible. Imagine that. A guy that was once imprisoning and torturing Christians, believers that served God, that were preaching in the name of Jesus Christ. And he's the guy. Do you ever think Paul ever had that thought? Why me? Especially when he's getting started. I mean, you go read in Acts, when he was first getting started, the Christians were afraid of him, and rightfully so. You couldn't blame him. I mean, this is a guy that he would show up in your church meetings, and he'd have you all arrested, put in jail, torture you, kill your loved ones right in front of you, and now he's going to walk in here and he's going to say, I've got good news. I've been saved. I've been redeemed. I saw Jesus. He appeared to me. Right. Yeah. Get up out of here, man. They ain't listening to that stuff. Think about what that does for Paul. And Paul is asking the question, why me? Why me? Because when the day comes, it's going to require everything. It's going to require everything. Abraham could have easily said, let's go pick some young 20-year-old stud and him and his wife that just got married and let them make the babies. Let him be the father of many nations. Let him be the father of faith. But see, he needed a father of faith. He needed someone that was going to be able to put all of their trust and all of their uh, dependability in somebody else. He just needed to use somebody. And then you notice, That Abraham's testing didn't even stop there. You would think, you would think, after 25 years of standing and believing, that God is faithful. That I'm going to be a father of many nations. Even though people, even though it doesn't make sense, even though I'm the last one on the planet, God would choose. That anybody else would choose. He chooses me. You would think that would be enough. We've got Isaac. We're all happy. We're all excited. His name even means laughter. And then what? I need you to take that son of yours that I promised to you that you've waited 25 years for, and I need you to go sacrifice him on the mountain. 
when does it stop? When does the testing stop? It's all about progress. You cannot progress in life without being tested. You cannot progress in life without being tested. Imagine if we went to school and there were no tests. Now, I know, you know, people like me are thinking, awesome. I'd love it. I'd probably gone back again. I'd go do it all over again. I don't have to be tested on what I know. There's no accountability for the gaining of knowledge. Therefore, we're going to another level that we're probably not prepared for. We used to have this saying, you know, the churches I grew up in, we'd say, new level, new devil. Right? New level, new devil. Why? Because the next level is going to require something out of you that you're gaining at this level. But thank God, his word says that we will never be tested, never be tempted beyond what we can bear. This is a promise to us. Guys, let's read it again. Verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Guys, we have this promise that if you're being tested or tempted in an area, it's in you to overcome. It's in you to overcome it. Yeah, it might feel like you're being stretched. It might feel like you're being pulled on. It might feel like everything you got's being drawn out of you. But it's there. It's in you. God is not bringing something in your life that you cannot handle. I think we have this in the New Living Translation, uh, New, New, New Living Translation. The, tempta- the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more then you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can what? What? Wait a minute. He's going to show me a way out so I can stay in. It doesn't say he will show you a way out so you can get out. He says, I will show you a way out so you can endure it that means i'm still in it i'm still in it see in football they have this thing halfway through the game called halftime halftime in the middle of the test and i know there's plenty of times that a team will go back there feeling like it's over it's done let's just call it right here We're only halfway through the game, but how could the second half be any better than the first half? I don't know how many of you are in this room today. The first half hasn't been so great. The first half is testing. The first half is trying. The first half, but you know what? God brings us back there. And he says, I'm going to show you a way out. Let's reevaluate this thing. And you know what happens back there? They start tweaking things. 
They start analyzing the other team. They start looking at what the other team's been doing in the first half. They, they love the left side. They've been going to the left side all the time. So let's shut down the left side. Let's, let's force them to go to the other side. They love to run. So let's force them to pass the ball. Let's bring more pressure here. Let's do this. Let's do that. Okay, they've been watching you how you do this. Every time you do this thing, that, and, and they do this. They do this in, in every sport. They do this in, in baseball. They've been pitching you this way, so watch for the ball over here. They do this in basketball. He's, he's shutting you out. He's blocking you. They're making you do this. They analyze the other, the other side, and then they start tweaking that. Well, if you didn't hear the message on Wednesday, you want to get a hold of that. Start tweaking the pattern so we can get a different product. And so God says right here, and look, this the guy that wrote this book, by the way, he knew tests and trials. He, he knew what tests and trials are all about. Paul knew. I mean, he endured some things that you and I will never dream of enduring, never dream of going through in our lives. He went through it. He was tested in it. And he's still able to make the statement, he will not test you beyond why? Because Paul found out that every time I was tested, I discovered that there was something more in me that I hadn't produced yet. Every time I was tried, every time a temptation came before me, every trial that I went through only proved that there was more in me to give away. And so I wonder how many in this room this morning, God wants to have a halftime huddle with us. God wants to have a halftime huddle with us, and he wants to say, now look, here's the test you've been enduring. Here's what you've been doing. And, and, and we may even be behind right now, but we are going to show you a way out so you can endure. Endure means to finish. Jesus said, he who endures to the end will be saved. I want us to discover how to finish. I want us to discover how to pass the test. He will show you a way out. It, it, it's almost like in high school when they, they give you a review for the test. If you had a teacher that was so gracious. Would they actually give you a review to give you a highlight, to give you a sample, to let you see what you're going to be tested on. What is the test going to be drawing out of me? Because there's another level I need to get to. There's another thing I need to obtain. There's somewhere else I need to go. I am progressing in this thing. And so I need to be tested for where I'm at so I can prove that I can get to the next level. If Abraham had never left his hometown in Genesis chapter 15, we would have never seen Isaac. If we didn't pass that test, we would have never gotten to the test on the mountain. I wonder, I wonder what's being drawn out of us today. I wonder what God is revealing to us today so that we can get to the next level. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. You know, I, I, I told you that 
from the beginning. From the beginning. In this series, the one thing I want you to walk away with is a different perspective of the Testament passage. I want you to see it differently. I, I, we're not, we're not going to have a, a prayer meeting and all hold hands and ask God to deliver us from the trials and the tests. But I know that we can believe God to get us through the trials and the tests. Remember what he prayed in the garden, and he prayed it for his disciples, and he prayed it for all of us, every believer. In John chapter 17, he said, Father, I do not pray that you take them out of the world. But I pray that you keep them from the evil one. He said those words. I don't pray that you take them out. I pray that you get them through. And this whole series is about getting through, not getting out. In John chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. That means the father is the gardener. He's the one that is determining what needs to be done so we can receive the right product, so we can get through. In verse 2 says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, that is producing, he prunes that it may be more, that it may bear more fruit. More fruit. Notice that there's still more that you can give. Even when you are giving, even when you are productive, even when you are fruitful, there is still more that he's looking for, more that he's trying to obtain, more that he's trying to draw out of you. This pruning is necessary. This pruning is necessary so we can what? Go to the next level. I've been producing. I've been, look, there, there are some things that we can get to in lives, uh, even spiritually, guys, that we can do so easily. It's nothing for you to pray 30 minutes a day. It's nothing for read uh, three chapters in your Bible a day. It's nothing for you to do the daily Bible reading plan that we have for you. It's nothing for you to give of your tithe. It's nothing for you to come uh, every Sunday. It's nothing for you to serve this often. But now God is saying, I want more. So there's pruning, there's cutting away. So why? So we can be added to. So we can be added to. Why? So we can get to the next level. Get to the next level. And most of the time, guys, that doesn't feel like it's possible. Most of the time we get in the midst of a test and a trial, and God's only trying to get us to the other level, and we feel like we're just stuck at this level. God, why am I being tested? Why, is that, why am I still enduring this trial? Why am I still going through this? And you think, I, I want to get past this. I want to move on from this. This mountain has been standing in front of me for long enough. I'm ready to go beyond it. I'm ready to conquer this mountain. And he's saying, you've got to be first. You first have to be tested. Before we can get to the next level. Before we can get past the mountain. We've got to be tested where we're at today. Don't despise the test. 
Don't despise the trial. Welcome it. That doesn't mean just stay there. I'm just loving the test right now. Just, I, I, that means you have to get to a place where you know you can conquer it. That God isn't trying to keep you stuck where you're at. He's trying to move you beyond where you're at. But by testing this mountain, we'll prove that you can go to the next level. As the worship team comes, I want to read this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 one more time. First Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 13. In the New King James, it says, No temptation has overcome you, overtaken you, except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Thank God he's faithful. Thank God he's faithful. Come on, thank God he's faithful. Even in the testing, even in the testing, God is faithful. Even in the testing, God is proving. Even in the testing, God is still showing him. See, sometimes we get our eyes so fixed on the test that we miss what God is doing in the midst of the test. Sometimes we get so fixed on the trial that we miss God's faithfulness in the midst of the trial. But God is faithful. No test, no temptation has overcome man except what is common to man. But, but God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, with the temptation, will also, will also, will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. This morning, I wonder what God is showing you. I wonder what God is proving. I wonder what God is producing in us in the midst of the test. He will show us a way out. That sounds like a guide to me. That sounds like a guide to me. You know, the thing about a guide is you want a guide that has been where you're going. You want a guide. You don't want to go to Disney World and get a tour by a guide that has never been where he's taking you. You don't want to go out in the woods in a national forest and have a guide that's just as lost as you are. Doesn't know the way out doesn't know the way through, doesn't know what this road or what that road does, and he's just picking and choosing. Say, well, let's just try this one. But God isn't just trying to get you out. God wants to guide you out. He wants to show you the way out of the tests and the trials. He will guide you out. So I want to sing this bridge to this 
song that we sang earlier, In Your Presence. Just stand up with us. I want to sing through this a couple times. Because God is our God. He's our refuge and our fortress. A strong tower in a time of trouble. You can go to God. See, sometimes we despise the teacher that's giving the test. But they're the very ones that can help you through the test. Don't despise God in the midst of the test. Don't turn your back away from Him. Say, God, you're just testing me. God, you're just tempting me. Why are you doing this? What is this trial all about? And He's saying, the trial will prove that you can get to the next level. So follow me, and I will guide you to the end. I will guide you out. Come on, let's sing this. You will be our guide. Our God is faithful. Our God is faithful. Is he hasn't me. left. He He's will right not there. forsake he me. You. you will be our God to the end. To the end. The Lord is with me. He will not forsake. You will be our God. just get us started and leave us. You're our God to the end. To the end. You're faithful. But our God is faithful. You will not leave us. You will not forsake us. You said to be strong and of good courage. For I will not leave you. And I will not forsake you. Father, we trust you to the end. We trust you to the end. You're with us. You've never failed us. Not one time have you left us. Not one time have you forsaken us. And Father, we thank you that the testing, the testing in our lives produces, produces patience, produces endurance that we can get to the next level. Father, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We give you all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated real quick. Ushers are going to be taking up our offering. If you need an offering envelope, please raise your hand real high. 
Raise your hands real high. Our ushers will get you one. Hallelujah. He's our God. He's our God to the end. He's showing you a way out and you didn't even know it. He's showing you a way out and you didn't even know it. Hallelujah. 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 He's showing you a way out. See, sometimes showing you the way out feels like he's just getting you deeper into the mess, right? God, this isn't the way out. This is, I'm in a bigger mess today than I was. Sometimes things get worse before they get better, right? Anybody been there? And you've heard me talk about my wife and I and, and with Camden. And I'll tell you what, man, when there were days it felt like things were getting worse instead of getting better. There were reports coming to us that we're ready to shut the whole thing down. This isn't the way out. You got to get deeper into the woods before you get out, right? But you know what? He never left us. He never forsook us. Tell you what, if you would just stand in what God is showing you. If you would just stand. He is your guide to the end. To the end. To the end. Sometimes you might feel like Abraham up on the mountain with your son laying on the altar and you are ready to drive the knife through his chest. But guess what? He's the guide to the end. All the way to the end. All the way to the end. While you're filling out your offering envelopes and your checks, I'm going to go ahead and pray over our tithe, over our offering this morning. We'll make a few announcements and we'll dismiss. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. You are so good. You've proven your faithfulness to us time and time again. Father, I thank you this morning for every person that's giving, every individual, every household, every family. Father, we pray blessings over what we offer up to you today. We thank you in accordance to your word that we give because you first gave to us. Father, we know that if we will give, we will reap. If we will sow, we will reap. Father, you said that you would give back to us, pressed down, shaken together, running over. We wouldn't even have room enough to receive it, Father. We give out of obedience to your word, and you are faithful to your word, faithful to respond. Father, we thank you. We give you all the glory and all the praise this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.